Man has worked the field since his fall. By beast or by crop, in plenty and in drought, he must tame the land or be tamed by it. The shepherd knows this well. He is a keeper. He is a guardian. He is a guide. And his flock, aimless in all their attempts, pulls him far away to chase their fickle hearts. How peculiar it is that God Omnipotent would take the post of a shepherd. afraid? You don't be afraid. For I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born this night in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the babe wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. A baby? Glory to God in the highest! Peace on earth and goodwill toward men! Glory to God in the highest! Peace on earth and goodwill toward men! Glory to God in the highest! Peace on earth and goodwill toward men! shepherds left their flock and hurried to the village of Bethlehem. In society's eyes, shepherds should not be the first ones to greet the King of Kings. But isn't that just like the creator of the universe? He uses lowly people to do amazing things for his glory. Fear not. Why? Because this is the gospel the angel is bringing. Because Jesus is Lord. What does Lord mean? And he is the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world has been born. Fear not. Up till now, 
the scriptures have been filled with much fear. Fearful pictures of who God is. Bad karma, good karma. It's all through history. All through the Old Testament. All through the Old Covenant. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So what does the story say? Let's take a look. In New Living Translation, it goes like this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. And by the way, thanks to Gail Sider who prompted me several times. This field nearby in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is very, very likely the same field that David himself was called from when he was anointed king. Young David took care of sheep in this field. It's a great likelihood, which is a kind of a cool bridge. That's where the angel goes to announce and make a pronouncement. How cool is that? All right. The field's nearby. Guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. So it wasn't just this outward image of there's angel, we're over here. Something happened all around them. They were experiencing the full glory of God in their presence, and they couldn't put it into words. I love the way they did this video. It's the first time I've seen a video where everything's consumed with light and almost a thunderous awe. You can only imagine. I'm not sure what the guy whispered when the guy and the angel said, don't be afraid. He goes, you try not being afraid. You're like, I'm, I'm sure I'd, I'd think the same thing. Of course I'm going to freak out. My emotions are going to go all over the place like yours would. It's freaky. It's not normal. And something not normal happens. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to some people. Oops, nope. It says all. Okay, let's read that again. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find the baby wrapped in duct tape. Nope, sorry. It says (laughs) swaddling clothes. That's right. You'll find the baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. I'm wondering what kind of concert this was. And I'm wondering how much of it was translated for the shepherds to be able to understand angelic hosts singing in angelic languages, but then allowed the shepherds to hear and interpret part of what they were saying. A gift of interpretation, a gift of declaration, a glimpse into heaven. I remember I had to write a paper uh, on uh, uh, an Old Testament text in my Old Testament course in Bible college, and I called it a glimpse of glory. And I got a bad mark on it. You know why I got a bad mark from this small-minded teacher? (laughs) Yes? 
The reason I got a bad mark, he says, it was not a glimpse. It was a magnificent picture. And I'm thinking, dude, it was not a magnificent picture. It was a glimpse compared to what really is going to be out there. Go further. Anyway, still didn't get a good mark. Anyway, the bigger picture here. There's something big going on. It's amazing. So, here they're praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, we don't know how long this concert was. I'm certain it wasn't 22 seconds, the length it takes to read this. It had to have been much deeper and more marvelous. Could have been standing still in time. Could it have been literally one second, but then it was experienced in another quantum kind of uh, atmosphere where they're brought into. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says it happened. And here's what happened. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often, as in she needed to, okay? Like, she needed to get these things locked in because her story, nobody's going to be believing her for the rest of her life that she had a baby and never slept with anybody. Who's really going to believe that? Really, really, really. We only got the written Bible, how many years later? Okay, so this, she's pondering these things in her heart. Shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel told them. Part of what I'm going to share with you this morning, I, I heard through Steve McVeigh this week. So I'm using a phrase, three, a three-part ser- uh, message, which I never do that. But it's three parts of this. That what the angels came to bring, first of all, was a soothing message. The second one was a salvation message, and then a shared message. You see, the soothing message came to regular folk. The soothing message of hope and encouragement came to the average people. That's demonstrated by the shepherds we saw. They were not uh, people that were publicly um, honored in, in prominent roles like a leader would be at the city gate. They were respected, but they did the dirty work. And that's who he went to, the regular folk. He did not come to the big city like the wise men who later showed up, not at the nativity. You do know that, right? Good. The wise men were not at the nativity. The only reason they're in the manger scene is because they're part of the story, not that they were actually there. They showed up at a house but only after they went to the big city of Jerusalem saying, hey, where's this king? They would have thought, if a king's coming, it's got to be in the big city. And if a prominent uh, leader from another world comes or another country comes, uh, another world, (laughs) I meant another country, um, they're going to go to the capital of the country they're going to. So if the um, the leader of Germany will come right to Ottawa. That's the first place they'll probably come, or Toronto, some primary big, big city. Not Elmira. 
You know, like really, we do, unless they need some good maple syrup, you know. But they go to the big ones. That's, that's kind of what happens. Or in sports, how many of you watch football ever? All four of you? Hmm. Okay. In many sports arenas, there's this big welcoming hurrah when the athletes come onto the field. Uh, in baseball, they do it. In basketball and soccer, they do it. There's a big hurrah, almost a parade out. Football overdoes it. They have this fireworks going off, and here the smoke, and they come running through the smoke in slow motion. And all here. They're doing all that fun stuff. That's not how Jesus came. <laughs> Can you imagine? He didn't do that. He came humbly to normal people. He would have stopped in at McDonald's to the staff. He would have stopped at Tim Hortons. He would have stopped at the grocery store. He would have stopped at the corner stores. Regular people. This is big. Do not be afraid is a soothing message. Be not afraid. Why? Because so far, up until that point in the Old Testament, the picture of God has had a progressive change. I want to explain it carefully so you do not misunderstand me. I do believe in a progressive revelation of who God is throughout the Scripture. I believe the Bible is true. We can trust it. That is what they believed. It is true of their words. Got it. But in the Old Testament concept of God, he was one to be afraid of. The presentation of God, I believe, was a skewed picture of who God is. I believe at best it was incomplete and often it was wrong. Am I saying the Bible is wrong? No. You shouldn't hear me by now. I'm saying their concept of what the writer wrote, their perspective was incomplete and often wrong. I want to explain. I want to show you some pictures. See if you can follow this. This is how I'm communicating it. They're in contrast. The Old Testament descriptions of God versus the New Testament descriptions are in stark contrast with each other. There's a conflict. There is a conflict. And it's, it's, it's glaring. The concept they had looked at the idea of God being one who, who demands blood, sacrifice, under the law, there was much sacrifice. Let me, let me give you an example. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and Acts, he had a unique perspective when he wrote. He saw things from a medical perspective, hyper details, and he was very good at capturing certain parts. John was more lovey-dovey, relationshipy, and he wrote from the heart, and he, he captured a different essence of who Jesus was. So these four different gospels are written from four different perspectives, and each of them are true from their perspectives. Old Testament writers, the same thing. Same thing. Under the law, God seemed to delight in killing off enemies. How do we answer this idea that God really wanted to kill off everything that was against him? Does it say that in the scripture? Yes. Then you come, and that's, that's the law. Let me give you an example of Abraham for just a moment. When Abraham went to sacrifice his son, because God said, please sacrifice your son to me, Abraham never even balked. Okay, great. Wraps up his stuff, gets the wood, 
His son even asked, so where's the actual offering? <laughs> You're it, but I'm not telling you until we get there. <laughs> okay? That's what's happening in that story. And yet, God knew full well that the regular world, the religious world of all the little subcultures, all believed in child sacrifice. That was the way it was. It was never questioned. You offer your firstborn if you really, really need something from the gods. Sucks to be a firstborn. That's <laughs> why so I had large families. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but that was a normal mentality. God said, I'm going to show you something different today. We're going to bring you to that place. He's about to sacrifice his son, has him on the altar strap, and God said, Stop! This is not who I am. It's who you thought I was. I'm showing you a better picture. I'll provide the sacrifice. He's revealing, correcting a wrong and revealing something better in small increments all through the Old Testament so that when you finally get to Jesus, the perfect picture of God shows up. It's really important to remember that or you're going to have a really hard time with those Old Testament stories. I don't get it all. I, I don't. But I'm also not afraid to talk about it. The law was about death, killing, sacrifice. The prophets were a little bit different. The prophets said, uh, they, had, they had more revelation, Elijah and others. They actually wrote that God does not delight in sacrifice. That's how it's recorded. I do not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. But you said earlier, <laughs> right? Do you see the hard confusion there? This is real. This is perfectly demonstrated. I didn't know this. I didn't put this together until this week. That when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and Elijah and Moses came and stood with him and Peter was there, standing on either side, Moses, Elijah, and there's Jesus in the middle, something important happens. Moses represents what? The law. And Elijah represents the prophets. And who does God say to listen to? Because Peter says, I'm going to build a shrine for each of you. I'm going to worship each of you separately because you're all equally important. And God steps in and says, what? This is my son. Listen to him. I never saw that until this week. I thought, that's so cool. I can't really wait to share this. It's good news. This perspective does not insult the Bible, but it elevates Jesus. Do you hear the difference? Jesus is the focus of this story. Jesus is the Savior, not the law, not the prophets, not the writings, the person, Jesus. We worship the one who gave us life and saved us. The one who came to this world humbly. Decided not to live out of his deity, being fully God and fully man. 
He chose to live out of his humanity and he lived the perfect life. How did he do it? By abiding in his daddy. Listening for his voice moment by moment, instant by instant, became obedient even unto death. He had to listen to God, his father, every step of the way. So when they were asking him questions, don't you know when this is happening? Or what about this? What about that? He says, I don't know the day or the hour. He does now. But he didn't then because he was not living out of the God consciousness that I am God, I am human is how he lived out of, having to live dependent like you and I have been called to live. Instant by instant dependency on the life of Christ in us, learning somehow to hear that voice already in us. This is good news. So contrasting the perspective of the Old Covenant and Old Testament prophets and stuff with what we now see Jesus demonstrating versus enemies. Let me give you this picture, the prodigal son. We now see God who kisses us and hugs us even in our filthy swine-smelling clothes. We think we've run away and he hugs and he pursues. He runs to us, not away from us. The God of the Old Testament runs away from us. Oh, I turn my back on this. That's the mentality we get. But no, the true God, the one Jesus is. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. Okay? The world has got an incorrect picture of who God the Father is, and Jesus came to correct it. And that brings much joy and peace because he's not ticked off. Do you know how nice that is? Do you ever live in a house with one person really ticked? You just got to tiptoe around them. Somebody's really agitated, which never happens in my house. I can get grumpy moments and it's not, I don't know what it is all the time, but I get out of it pretty quick. But I'm not pleasant to others and vice versa. And if we think God's like that, we are not going to want to cozy up. We're going to want to get away from that God. Jesus said, ah, I chase you. I love you. I'm going after you. What'd you do? I don't care. Give me a hug. Does the same thing with a woman caught in adultery right in the very act. How awkward is that? And here the Son of God lifts her up. Not going, stay down there, can't believe you would have done that. He doesn't. He reaches with love and compassion to those who are hurting, lifts them up. This is who he is. And then he says, don't sin anymore. Stop doing those wrong things because it's harmful to you. Because if you continue, it's going to destroy you. That's what sin does. He's not mad at you. He's angry and mad at the things that harm his children. This is the true God. Your God loves you. And he sent his son into the world for you. That's love. I think the pictures that Jesus brings clarify the misunderstandings of the Old Testament. Those stories are real and true. We can believe them. 
but they do not give us the full, complete, accurate picture of who God is. Jesus does. Now take Jesus with you when you go read the Old Testament. It's very different and beautiful. What about the fear of the Lord? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It does not mean be freaking scared of God. Oh, you have to be careful what you wear into this room. This is a holy room. And don't talk out loud. Kids, no running. This is a holy room. Are you kidding me? You are the holy room. You're the holy room. He lives in you. He's made you holy. I go to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms in in my mansion. Many rooms. I go go to prepare a place for you. You're the rooms preparing you. This is the good news. This is the gospel. It's really good news. Fear of the Lord that the Old Testament is actually speaking about is not afraidness, but it's holy reverence and... Oh, you caught that, good. Second word, second word, third word. (laughs) Holy awe. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Respect. Trust this one who is God, who is Lord, who is Savior, and who is really good. We need this today. The first message the angel said was, don't be afraid. That's soothing. This is not going to be a Merry Christmas year for many people. There are many going through many things, and I want to say to you, don't be afraid. Feel the emotions you need to feel. And don't let anybody say you shouldn't feel like that. That's wrong. Or don't even say to yourself, I shouldn't feel like this. Let the emotions flow. Let God take care of how you feel as you guide, as he guides your mind. There's been a lot of crap that's gone on. A friend of mine just died the other day online, uh, part of a morning coffee group. We knew he was in palliative care, but suddenly, whoom, within a day or two, he's gone. And yesterday... I buried a two-day-old baby. Two days. And they made me speak after the slideshow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ripped my heart open. That family's grieving. I heard of a 10-year-old who just hung himself. I spoke yesterday with an employee who had just been given his walking papers. Yesterday. I bumped into people who like the season of giving, but they can't give, so they feel like garbage. I don't have enough to give. I got very little to give. Would you believe I had a Muslim guy call me and ask me to do a donation to somebody on his behalf because he wanted to do it secretly? He says, this is the season. This is what it's about. Yes, I'm in. I'll do that for you. No problem. I'll bend over backwards to make that happen. I never preach at the guy. We just know each other now. Hmm. Funny how that works. Many have dark clouds hovering over them right now with family crises, frustrations, 
anger, weeping, tears of loss. Yesterday was four years when my mom died. There are others. Somebody else here had a death on the 23rd as well. There are relatives that we've lost that this time of year really brings it all out. I've had some surprising ones. I mean, with my dad passing away this year. It's like, I thought it was all fine. But there's moments of, dang, I can't even call him now. Merry Christmas to you. That's <laughs> what it feels like sometimes. And then, on the flip side, within milliseconds later, there's another joyful thing that happens. How do we deal with that? I don't know. There isn't a manual. Family dynamics. Others are suffering loss. We saw the fires that have happened in certain homes. One family in a hospital because of a carbon monoxide poisoning. Like, it just goes on and on. I, there's so many stories that are out there. Never mind the political world. Come on. But my daddy, my real daddy, is bigger than all the political world. He's the one in charge of all the leaders. He's not absent from what's happening in this world. You cannot be afraid if you are looking and staring into the face of Jesus. And I encourage you to look into his face today. Whatever garbage stuff you're facing, whatever thing you're angry about, whatever voices come into your head, even the negative voices that say, I'm no good, nobody loves me, I'm not good enough at what I do, all those voices that cram in there, I will never achieve what my dreams are, whatever those voices are, Surrender those and look in Jesus' face. Jesus, I don't know how to handle this. And let him love you as beloved. That's how we have to face these crises. And when you see a person beside you weeping in pain, you go over to them and you put your arm around them and say, don't know what to say. I'm here. And don't preach at them and give them the answer of how to cope with their problems. Don't tell grieving people how to grieve. Shut up. It's not the time. It's the time to love and not be the answer person, but be the loving one. That is grace. Peter sees this ghost walking to him on the water. Ah, it's a ghost. And then the voice, it is I, Peter. Uh, if it's really you, tell me to come out there. Which is a really dumb question, but he does. <laughs> if you think about it. So much humor in the scriptures, so much humor. He gets out of the boat, starts walking to Jesus, and then here's what happens. Listen, this is your crises. He sees the crashing waves. I always wondered, did his feet ever get wet from the splashing? or how, Did he have to walk up waves, down waves? I don't know. But either way, it's, just, it's a funny thought. But he's walking and he starts to sink. He says, help me, Lord. And Jesus grabs him. Pulls him back up. There is a hand out to all of you. In my earlier years of teaching, I would have taught you that you need to reach out to him and then he'll respond. And he does. But what you don't know, and this is where the really good news is, He's holding you already. And doing this. He's got you already. And even if you don't reach out, he's got you. 
He's not absent from you. The angel said this is good news for everybody. Luke 10, or Luke 2, 11, 10 and 11. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Do you see the extent of all this? It's pretty intense. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. The Passion Translation says it like this. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid. For I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. It's for everyone, especially the people you can't stand. Peace has arrived. His name is Jesus. He is here. Look for it. The wise men did that. They looked towards the light and went for it. The shepherds went for it, being told where to find the Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. He is the Lord. The Greek word is kurios. It means authority, control, but not in control in a negative way, in a positive way. He's not manipulating and puppeting things. But I only tell you this. It was not a man that declared this. It was an angel of the Lord. An angel said, Lord, Savior, peace. Not from a human tongue, from an angelic voice. This message was shared. The shepherds could not remain quiet, and they told everyone they could. They took off, and everybody was like, what did they just tell us? Can you believe that story? And the gossip went nuts, and the stories went out. When I did the funeral of the baby, I shared light and love to everybody there. What else am I going to say? Well, here's why. Really? No. Light and love. The light that is in you. Though it may be darkness to some, then if it is darkness, how great is that darkness? But the verse says, the light that is in you. And if you don't perceive the light of Christ, then you're in darkness. Do you hear his voice? Do you see the light in you now? Because he's calling us into intimacy with him. He's calling us into relationship with him. He's calling us to trust that he is actually good. It's time to unlearn those lies we've believed. We need to tell people a better perspective of who God is. The message is not that God is angry, and if you don't turn, you'll burn. That is not the gospel. Anybody that brings that up is blind and does not know the gospel. The gospel is not a message that you must shape up or he'll ship you out. It's not about your behavior. But when the revelation of the love of Christ comes, when you believe you are accepted, loved, valued, and best of all in our humanity, liked. Yes, God likes you. Love can be a job description. I get that, especially if you don't get it. But like is relational. 
and he likes you. And when you trust that, you'll want to please him. Your behavior will make the changes. Not because somebody told you to change, but because of a relationship. So much better. And who is this message for? Everyone, everywhere, same message. The Savior has come. In order to be a Savior, do they have to actually save? Or does it mean potential Savior? It does not say potential Savior. The potential Savior of the world has come. Does not say that. It says the Savior has come and he has come and saved the world. Which begs a few more questions of what does saved mean? That's for another sermon. (laughs) You'll get stretched, I promise. But it's good news. Salvation has come. It's good news. In the darkness that you may be walking in, there is light. And if you can't perceive it, trust he is with you. He is not absent from you. He is your peace, your comfort, and your hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I pray for those who are hurting this morning with an ache in their heart. For whatever source the ache is, you know. Will you please be the peace, your peace, to each person here and those that will be listening to this later online? Will you reach out and let them actually feel you? I know I need the experience. May we feel you and experience your presence in a very real, tangible way. I pray this in Jesus' name, the Savior of the world. Amen.